that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? Today, I want to tell you how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. That's right. How to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Now, I know a lot of people would say, well, that's crazy. That's, I've never heard of such a thing. But it's true. And, you know, you can run, but... You ever heard the expression, there's a saying, you know, it doesn't matter how you start the race. It doesn't matter how you start the race. It only matters how you finish. Wrong. It matters how you start the race, especially when it comes to a relationship with God. It matters how you start this race. If you don't start this race correctly, the right way, oh, you can run. You can run all day long, but never accomplish anything. It matters how you start the race, and it matters how you begin a relationship with God. Because, you see, if you start out not the right way, what, what will happen is you will end up on the merry-go-round of what I call churchianity. And you will busy yourself to death, and you will go through all types of religious activity, but eventually you'll get off that merry-go-round of churchianity. So in order to have a true relationship with God, it matters how you start this race. And this program will be a series of programs entitled, How to Begin a Relationship with God Without Church and Religion. You know, I believe that church and religion has been substituted for a relationship with God. In fact, I've met a lot of people that their religion, their relationship with God consists of going to church. That's what constitutes their relationship with God, the fact that they just get up every Sunday morning and they go to church. And in our society, and you see the results of this all around you, such as a nation claiming to be Christian but not acting like a Christian nation. You see, the bottom line is this. Church and religion has been substituted for a relationship with God. Now, the world's view, let's talk about the world's view that is out there. The world says, basically, in developing a relationship with God, it says, okay, you've got to go to church, choose the church of your choice. You ever heard that? Just choose the church of your choice. And uh, go and go to church and get you some religion. That's, what, that's the world's view of developing a relationship with God. You choose a church of your choice and you go get you some religion. You choose a denomination. You choose a faith. That's the world's view. But suppose there are people who will never do this. Okay? Suppose there are people who desire, truly desire a relationship with God, but hate church and religion. What about those people? You know, with life, there are always options. In fact, many options. Why is it in this one area, there's only one way to do it? Go to church and get you some religion, and that's how you develop a relationship with God. Um, you know, it's, it's simply not true. It's, it, there, there's, there's other ways to go about this. 
And I want to tell you today, or at least start on this, this series of how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. You see, you were born into a ready-made world of religion. And the truth of the matter is, you didn't make a lot of this stuff up. In fact, you didn't make any of it up. It was already in place. Christianity was already wrapped up in a beautiful package. It's easy to accept. There's nothing you must do. Just believe. Just give your heart to the Lord. And a lot of this stuff that goes on in the area of religion, you had no say-so over. You just blindly went along with it. You know, the Christmas celebration, the Easter celebration, you know, the rabbits going around laying eggs. Just kidding. Uh, but, you know, a lot of this stuff, maybe Halloween in churches or whatever, a lot of this Sunday worship, you know, it was already in place. And you just said, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you enter into a relationship with God. Now, my concern is this. My concern is about the masses of people who will never connect to God through church and religion. Uh, the reason I say that is because I used to be one of, uh, of them, who would never connect to God through church and religion. A lot of it I could just see straight through. A lot of the facade that was out there in the area of religion, you know, it just it didn't have an appeal to me. Okay, now, before I get into this program, let's, let's talk about, okay, what God am I talking about? Because, you know, there are people out there that may hear my voice and, well, okay, what God? You know, what God are you talking about having a relationship with God? Well, I'm talking about the God of the, of the Bible. I'm talking about mainstream, what I would call mainstream Christianity. I'm not talking about Buddha, Muhammad, Allah, or anything like that. I'm talking about the God, God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. That's the God I'm talking about. How to enter into how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. You see, I believe that there is a built-in compass that we all have that directs us, that leads us towards or into a relationship with God, at least points us in that direction. Now, I also believe this internal compass that we have often gets, as we get older, the more distorted, the more you know, out of whack that compass gets that would direct us into a relationship with God. But I think we're all born with that. I mean, bottom line is, as we start to grow up, this built-in compass, we realize that, you know, that there has to be something out there smarter than yourself, you know. And you begin to realize that, that, that you look at the earth that travels around the sun at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour. You look at photosynthesis, you look at the hydrologic cycle, you look at all of these things that are out there and you realize, well, I didn't, I didn't create that stuff. I didn't put all this stuff in place. So there has to be a higher power, a higher being, and there has to be something out there because you can't create something smarter than yourself. Man, we are limited. And as we look at creation, we realize, wow. There's got to be a great designer, a great creator out there. And so I think we're all born with that built-in compass that would lead us into a relationship with God. The problem is often that compass gets out of whack and we just end up, well, you know, we end up on the merry-go-round of churchianity, just busying ourselves to death. Now, what was Adam and Eve's religion? You ever thought about that? What, I mean, first of all, their religion had to be very simple. 
I think it basically constituted in two things. Number one, they understood that they could obey or disobey God. They understood that, in other words, that obedience was voluntary. They were free to choose to do what God said. They were also free to choose not to do what God said. So as we start to develop this, you know, how to build, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion, well, this point is absolutely critical that you understand that you are a free moral agency with the ability to choose whether you will do what God says or whether you will not do what God says. And of course, we all know the story of, our, of Adam and Eve and what happened to them. They chose poorly, did they not? They chose poorly. Now, so that was one thing that, that constituted their relationship with God. They were free to choose. They could choose poorly or they could choose correctly so. They were free to obey or disobey. Never forget that one point. The second thing that they had was the seventh day Sabbath, which was a blessing, a memorial of creation. It was a day of disconnect, the seventh day Sabbath, and a day to reconnect with God. And one of the ways they disconnected was they were commanded not to do any work on that day, and they would rest on that day, the seventh day of the week, and they would re-energize, recharge their batteries. It was a day to disconnect and reconnect to God. But those two things, really, when you think about it, is what constituted their relationship with God. There wasn't a lot of rules and regulations, at least not yet. I mean, they didn't have to worry about committing adultery. They didn't have to worry about stealing. Everything was theirs. They didn't have to worry. There's a lot they didn't have to worry about, by the way. But uh, this was their relationship with God was very simplistic. <clears throat> and they, had, they understood that they were free to obey or disobey God, and they had the Sabbath as a day of connectivity with God every seventh day of the week. Now, you know, what was their religion? Did they get up every day and recite the Athanasian Creed? Did they uh, get up every day and say, Our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy... No, they didn't do that. They didn't do that. Another interesting question is, where did they go to church? Where did they go to the church at? Now, a lot of people are amazed to find out that it is some 2,000 years passes by and the book of Genesis covers about 2,000 years. But you finally, in the book of Exodus, Exodus 12 and verse 16, you come to the first commanded assembling together. And you might say the first church service was commanded. But it wasn't actually a church service in the way that you think of it. It was actually, it was the first day of unleavened bread, one of God's annual feast days. But it's just interesting that 2,000 years goes by, and we're talking about, well, where did they go to church? 2,000 years goes by before the first commanded assembling of yourselves together. I think that's interesting. We ask, where did they go to church? Well, what they had was the Sabbath day. Every seventh day, a day to disconnect and connect with God. Sabbath of the memorial of creation. Maybe they would stroll around and look at, you know, all and just rejoice in all of God's creation. A day of rest, a day of connectivity with God. That's what they had. So 2,000 years goes by before, the, before you read anything about a commanded assembling together. Interesting.
Now, what I realize about myself is this, that none of the avenues to attract people to God today, none of those things would have worked for me. You know, church going, revival, gospel music, religious music, uh, gospel tracts, you know, sign on this line, I'm saved, I'm heaven bound or whatever. Uh, witnessing people coming up to you, you know, do you know the Lord, brother? Have you given your heart to the Lord? Uh, preaching, a television evangelist, religious books about God, none of religious conferences. You know, I wouldn't give you a nickel for all the religion in the world. I mean, I'm just not impressed with it. I'm really not. But what I'm saying is, if, if you put everything in a box that is out there today to try to attract people to God, none of it would have ever worked for me. Now, I know that, okay? But I, I just got the feeling that there's a lot of people out there listening to my voice who feel the same way. They're not that impressed with religion. Now, I'm going to say something right now that's going to blow your mind. Two of the greatest deterrents for beginning a relationship with God can be church and religion. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, they can mess you up. <laughs> and what, what happens is you end up on the merry-go-round of churchianity, just spinning around, busying yourself to death, going through endless activities, activities, acti religious things, singing in the choir, church services, all the stuff that people do. You get on that merry-go-round. And like I said, sooner or later, you're going to have to get off of it. And you will get off that merry-go-round of churchianity. So this program is about, okay, how do you really truly begin a relationship with God without church and religion? Because church and religion can actually keep you from a relationship with God. And I know that blows some people's mind, but it's just the way that we've been programmed. We've been programmed to believe this is how you do it. You find a church, you find your faith, you find a denomination, you join that church, you get your name on the roster or whatever, and that's how you get, you get you some religion, and that's how you develop a relationship with God. We've been programmed to believe that. Now, <clears throat> what keeps you from a relationship with God? You know, if God had an enemy... Let's just pretend that God, I believe he does, but some of you may not. But let's say God has an enemy. Now, I already mentioned that there is this internal compass, I believe, that leads us in the direction towards God that we're all born with. with. But if God had an enemy, I tell you what, I would, if I were God's enemy, this is what I would do. I would create an extreme superficial way to gain a perceived connection with God. It would all be in your head. It wouldn't be real, but I would, I, would, I would develop a superficial way to gain a perceived you know, relationship with God. And now, guess how I would do that? I would do it through church and religion. I would get people believing that, well, man, I'd go to church. I've been going to church 40 years. I gotta be. I gotta have a relationship with God. I've been doing, you know, I, you know I, I, that's what I would do. And you see, what I realize about religion is this. There's a lot of you out there that are absolutely turned off by religion. And you should be. You should be. You know, you watch sometimes the Sunday morning comedy hour. And you should be turned off by some of those 
uh, would-be frustrated Hollywood actors that never made it in Hollywood and turned to religion as a means of expressing themselves. You should be turned off by it. Now, when we talk about religion, okay, what is religion? Often it is people's beliefs and opinions concerning the existence, nature, and worship of a deity. And often, you know, religion is just, it, it can be concocted by man. It is man's views of this is, this is our understanding of God. Now, <clears throat> there are fundamental building blocks that people build their faith on. And this is just part of the worldly system. This is part of the religious system. You come in, like I said, you've come into a ready-made world of Christianity, a ready-made world of religion. Um, you had no say-so over it. You just blindly accepted the fact that this must be the, this has got to be truth because it's out there. Okay, there are fundamental building blocks that people have built their faith on. And I'm going to list about seven or eight of these points right now. Here's, here's some of the fundamental building blocks that people have built their faith on. Okay, here's one. Jesus abolished the law. You ever heard that? Well, if you've been religious for five minutes, you've heard that one. Okay, Jesus went to church on Sunday. All right, this is just an assumption. Okay, uh, okay, Sunday worship, Jesus went to church on Sunday. All right, Jesus celebrated Christmas. These are building blocks that people build their faith on. You know, Jesus celebrated Christmas. Uh, Jesus celebrated Easter. Um, man has an immortal soul. That there's something about you that is immortal right now. Okay. These are fundamental building blocks. Lost people go to hell and burn forever. The building blocks that people have built their faith on. Saved people immediately go to heaven. Uh, another one. Today is the only day of salvation, so you better get yourself saved. You better go get you some religion right now and get your, get your heart right with the Lord because, you know, if you don't do that, you're going to hell, boy. I'm telling you, you're going to burn forever. These are fundamental building blocks that people build their faith on. Now, suppose I told you that every one of these points is a lie. Listen to this offer and I'll be right back. One of the hardest areas to admit that we've been lied to is the Bible. Yet the truth is, you have been lied to about the Bible. Just think about some of the assumptions that are out there about religion. Now, here are just a few. Jesus abolished the law. Jesus went to church on Sunday. Jesus celebrated Christmas. Jesus celebrated Easter. Man has an immortal soul. Lost people go to hell and burn forever. Saved people go to heaven. Today is the only day of salvation. These are all areas that we assume to be absolute truth, yet they're not absolute truth. All of these statements are lies. We've built our faith on assumptions. Now the real question is this. Did Jesus build his church on a foundation of lies? And if the answer to that question is no, then somebody has to be wrong. If you would like more information, or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. 
Now, you know, does this change your view of church and religion? Well, I mean, it ought to at least cause a raised eyebrow, like maybe Dr. Spock on Star Trek. It ought to, it ought to at least cause you to think a little bit. I mean, the question is, did Jesus Christ build his church on a foundation of lies? And if you know, you know the answer to that question just as well as I do, no, well, no, of course not. He didn't build his church on a foundation of lies. Well, then, if that's true, we need to completely reevaluate our entire concept of developing a relationship with God through or by church and religion. There's another way to go about it, and that's what this series of programs is all about. How to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And I'm not saying church is a bad thing. I'm just saying we've got the cart in front of the horse. You know, we, we, the, the world's method is go to church, get you some religion. I'm saying you first develop a relationship with God. Then way on down the road, after you develop that relationship with God, you choose a church that fits what your relationship is all about. Okay, so we've got the cart in front of the horse here. We've got it backwards. The world's model is backwards than what it should be. You know, your relationship with God must be based on truth models. It must be based on the truth. If, now listen, if what you believe does not reflect truth, then what you feel does not conform to reality. Your relationship must be, in other words, this is why I do, I do this because this is what the Bible says for me to do. In other words, you can take whatever you're doing and you can say, this is why I do what I do. It's right here in the Bible. You know, it must be based on truth models, not just an emotional religion where you just feel, I just feel like I love the Lord. I just feel like I'm religious. No, it's got to be based on truth. And, you know, when, when, when you're, when what, you know, again, if what you believe does not reflect truth, then what you feel does not conform to reality. And what all of this equals is church and religion without relationship. Now, I want to talk a little bit about religious addiction here, because I believe the majority of people are addicted to religion, that is, religious people. All right, often we get on the merry-go-round of what I call churchianity. It's Wednesday night Bible study. It's Friday night Bible study. There's men's clubs. There's women's clubs. There's singing in the choir. There's choir practice. There's religious uh, conferences to go to. There's children ministers, ministries. There's teen ministries. There's adult ministries. There's uh, Christmas and Easter plays. There's, uh, then you have the big churches with the ping pong table and bowling alleys and endless activities, uh, support a mission, uh, save the heathen, support a charity. And all of this is a necessity in order to be religious. It's like, okay, I gotta do all this stuff, you know. But it's also a way that we compensate. When one area is lacking, we overachieve in other areas to make up for this void. And the reason we're doing all this, overachieving, trying to make up for this void, is because the relationship is not there. And that's why this program's called the series, and I'm doing it first here, is how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. It's got to be a personal, intimate relationship with God that you develop first. Then, maybe later on down the road, you choose a church. Again, we've got it backwards. Now, church can be like holding down a second job. It really can. We come away mentally and physically exhausted, all the while thinking, well, I must be getting closer to God. You know, we just think that. You know, religious addiction can be powerfully deceptive. 
I believe millions of Americans are addicted to religion. The bottom line, people are drunk on the experience of religion. Can't get enough. A religion that cannot and will not change the man or the woman in the mirror. Why? Why will it not work? Because the relationship is not there. You first have to develop a relationship with God, a personal, intimate relationship with God. And you do this, yeah, listen to me, you do this in the absence of church and religion. It's personal. You and God. You, God, your Bible. And you look at it and you say, what does God want me to do today? Not what does God want me to feel. Not what kind of experience, does, what does God want me to do today? That's how you develop a relationship with God. You know, religion was never meant to be addictive. Religion is addictive because it's so easy to do. Now, let me explain this because this is, this is something. In other words, the reason uh, religion is so addictive is actually three reasons I want to tell you right now. First of all, anybody can do it. I mean, think about it. Anybody can do it. I mean, it's, really, it's not much to do, is it? Just believe, just accept, just give your heart to the Lord. Just raise your hand. I'm saved. I love Jesus. I mean, what is there to do? There's nothing to do. And that's why it's so addictive. There's not much, you know, anybody can do it. Second thing is it brings people, it brings people temporary satisfaction. Yeah, it can be fun. It can be exciting, you know. It really can. Why the Lord just healed Bertha Butt's big toe? Praise Jesus. You know, I mean, that stuff can get exciting, you know. Speaking in tongues, jumping around, jumping church pews, you know. All this stuff, you know, it can, it can be exciting. It really can. Third thing is it, it allows, religious addiction, it allows people to stay within the confines of their comfort zone. Now, this is the number one point to what makes addiction so powerful. When was the last time you heard anything about change in church? Well, you, you don't hear anything about change. You just hear that you're good just the way you are. It allows people to stay within the confines of their comfort zone. And that's the, really the top point that makes it so addictive, religion. And these three characteristics is what, again, religious addiction. Plus, you know, religious addiction allows a person to feel a sense of personal power, you know, over their destiny. You know, how many times have you, I know I'm saved and heaven bound. And I'm going to retire in heaven for all eternity, play my harp, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm saved in heaven. I mean, you know, it, it allows a person, and power over is, a, is one of the things that makes people so, uh, so uh, religion so addictive. Uh, power over, over your, over your destiny. I know I'm, you know, all that stuff that people say. I know I'm heaven bound. And like any addiction, a person must go through a detoxification process in order to experience true freedom. A person must face the truth about themselves and their religious addiction. Now, what is religious addiction? It's being in a religion where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. Get this. It's being in a religion where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. I'm telling you, Probably 95% of people who are religious are addicted because of that one point right there. You don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. Now, I want to give you a religious addiction test. The problem is I, my time is out. This is a series on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. 
and stay tuned for the next program. I'm not sure how many series this is going to be, probably quite a few because there's a lot I have to say in this program. I'm not throwing down on, on the church, I'm just saying we've got it backwards. That the world's view is go to church, get you some religion and that's how you develop a relationship with God. I'm saying first you develop that relationship with God in the absence of church and religion. Then later on you may choose a church of your choice. Anyway, until next time, remember that's really in your Bible. There are over 450,000 churches in America. Yet America continues its downward spiral towards immorality and corruption. The problem is, people have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. The paradox is this. A personal relationship with God must first begin in the absence of church and religion. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.